And thank you for allowing us to be here. I'm so grateful that Diane gets to be with me this year. We were here this time last year, and it was a delightful experience to worship together, study God's Word together, and kick off a great lectureship series here at Willow Avenue. I love and appreciate Dom and Sherry so much. They mean so much to the kingdom and do so much for the Lord's glory. Such a great inspiration. I love to hear Don preach, don't you? You can say amen in a big way on that one. He would appreciate it. He always takes me to the Bible. He keeps me in the Bible, challenges my mind, stirs my heart, and he helps me to be a better person. And I really appreciate him as a brother in Jesus in that regard and in many others. And what a sweet helpmeet that he has in Sherry. Heaven will surely be worth it all. Sing to me of heaven. Let me fondly dream. How beautiful heaven will be. Sweet home of the happy and free. But who will actually get to go? You say, I know the answer to that, Brother Dan. Those who believe in Jesus, repent of their sins, and are baptized to have their sins washed away, they get to go to heaven. Now take pause for a moment. We're going to direct our attention this morning to a passage that does not say that. In fact, we're going to find in our passage of interest this morning that it says something far, far, far more. And so as we contemplate this question, heaven, who will get to go? We need to take pause and make this very personal. Heaven, not who will get to go, but heaven will I get to go. There are some that tell me, yes, you can go to heaven if you will believe in Jesus and pray this prayer. In fact, I heard a commercial on television just yesterday telling me to do that very thing. There are some that will tell me, I can go to heaven if I will obey this book perfectly, and if I am everything that God wants me to be based upon my personal merit. No, 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 no. We don't believe in merit salvation, and yet when you listen to some of our teaching and some of our preaching and the heavy burdens that we place upon people's shoulders, we teach and preach a merit salvation. And so I think it, I think it's deserving for us to take pause. And for us to turn to the Bible and let the Bible answer our question. I am not going to let my friends tell me that I can go to heaven. I am not going to let Protestant preachers tell me that I can go to heaven. I am not going to let our past brotherhood trans, uh, traditions and preferences tell me that I can go to heaven. I'm going to go to the book that God Himself has given us. 
to see if I'm going to heaven. Are you willing to do that with me this morning? Heaven, am I going to get to be there? Turn with me to Revelation 21. We've already began our thoughts right there in verses 1 through 4, as so ably read just a few minutes ago, telling us that we're going to be in the very presence of God, and in God's very presence, He will wipe away all of our tears and take away all those matters that cause us to weep. But as we continue to read Revelation chapter 21, let's pick up with verse 5, and we're going to find in verses 5 and following four answers to our question. Verse 5 says, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for those wor- these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And now the first answer to our question, heaven, who will get to go? Verse 7 says, or verse 6 goes on to say, To the thirsty... I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Who will actually get to go to heaven? This passage tells me those who are thirsty will get to go. I'm not certain how it is with you, but when I read that passage, my mind immediately goes to the Beatitudes of Jesus where he said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. After what? After righteousness. Blessed makarioi, literally happy or congratulations to those who hunger and thirst for being right with God. He took two of the most... Two of the greatest desires, physical desires that man has on earth. And he used them to illustrate how passionate we should be in our enthusiasm for being right with God. Happier those who have an insatiable desire to have a relationship with, be right in the presence of God, to those who are thirsty, I will give. This passage reminds me of what I find from the words of Jesus Himself in John chapter 7, about verse 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Well, now let's see. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for being right with God. But I can't be right with God on my own merit. I can't be right with God listening to you. Jesus said, No man comes to the Father but how? But by me. John 14 verse 6. And so the Holy Spirit through Paul in Ephesians tells us chapter 2 verse 18. Through Him, Jesus, we have access to the Father. 
Happy are those who hunger and thirst for being right with God. But how am I going to be right with God? How can I have a relationship with God? If anyone thirsts, if he wants to be right with God, let him come to me and drink. You want to have a relationship with God? Hold hands with Jesus. Have your heart beat in sync with Jesus. You must come to God through Jesus. He that is thirsty will I give. So will I get to go only if I have an insatiable desire to be right with God to the point that I turn to Jesus to satisfy that thirst in a relationship with Him. Because after all, He knew no sin, but was made to be sin, that we through Him might become the righteousness of God. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Before we press on to the second answer to our question, we need to lay a foundation under this idea of hungering and thirsting for being right with God. Yea, to the point that we turn to Jesus to be right with God. And the foundational passage would be what Jesus Himself said in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Love God with all. Your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You play at this game, you will not be there. You half-heartedly go about being a Christian, you will not be there. You must thirst for being right with God to the point you come and drink from Jesus all that He has to offer your life as you with every ounce and every fiber of who you are love God. That's who gets to go to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. But then the second answer to our question, verse 7, the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. Take this, I will be his God and he will be my son all the way back to verses 3 and 4 of the same chapter, and you see you're reading about those who are in the presence of God in heaven itself. Who will get to go? Those who overcome. Nikao. Overcome. Cognate noun. Let me spell it. N I transliterating. Nikkei, N 
I-K-E. Now we read that and we say, Nike, you know, just do it. But Nike is actually a transliteration of the Greek term, Nike, meaning the conqueror, the victorious one. And the verb is nekao, translated in the English Standard Version from which I'm reading, conquer. Translated in other particular versions, overcome. To him who overcomes will I give. To the one who just does it and is victorious will I give. If memory serves, this word is found 28 times in the book of Revelation alone, most of which are found in just two chapters, or many of which are found in two chapters, where Jesus writes to the seven churches of Asia and repeatedly says, this person that overcomes or conquers, this is what will flow into his or her life. Even so, here as we come to the end of this great book of the New Testament, to the one who is victorious, to the one who overcomes, to the one who nikao conquers, well, I, he will have this heritage. Conquers. Conquers whom? Victory. Victory over what? Do you remember the words of James 4 verse 7? Resist. Dig deep your foxhole. Position yourself properly. Put in your crosshairs, a military term, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Do you remember the words of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9? Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, prowleth about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in faith. To the individual that resists and conquers, he will have the heritage those who conquer the devil in their relationship and through the prowess of Jesus working in their lives. Now, of course, the devil works in our life in three basic ways. And so when you think of resisting and overcoming the devil, you're talking about resisting and overcoming what the devil places in front of us. Such as, 1 John 2, verses 16 and 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, epithumia, thumia, passion, thumia, breathe hard, epi, over, Breathing hard over lust, desires of the flesh. Breathing hard over lust, desires of the eyes. And the pride, vain glory of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Who will get to go? 
Those who say no to their carnal desires when saying yes to those desires would place them contrary to God's wishes. Those who say no to their desires and refuse to see things and watch things and allow what they see and watch to paint word pictures in their minds contrary to what God wishes. Those who reject the accolades of mankind. Those who resist the temptation to live, to draw attention to self. Those are the ones who conquer. Those are the ones who resist. And those are the ones who get to go. So every time the devil knocks on the door of your heart, and you want it so bad you can taste it. And it just won't be bad for you. I mean, not just this one time, will it? Or when you're away and you're by your lonesome and nobody's around, you're out of town on a business trip and you're in the, in the, um, the hotel room by yourself and you're surfing the channels and you see something you ought not see and, well, why not watch it? Nobody's around, nobody else is going to be hurt. It won't make any difference, will it? Because nobody will know. Or so-and-so said such-and-such about me in social media, and I'm going to respond because, after all, you have, you've tainted my, rep, my reputation. You've taken away from my glory. And every time I'm tempted with desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the vainglory of life, I better be found saying no through the example of Jesus Christ if I want to go. Who will get to go? No. Will I get to go? Only if I love God with everything that I am, even to the point that I constantly say no to myself and yes to what He wants me to be and do. There's a third answer to our question as we continue to read. And for time's sake, we'll just drop right on down to particularly... If we can get it to come back up, there it is. Verse 24. I continue to read, and I, I find another answer to our question. He are those who are saved will get to go. Those who are saved. That begs the question, doesn't it? Who are the saved? Am I among the saved? Well, perhaps the best way to answer that question is to work through the New Testament and see certain passages that teach me what I need to be or do for salvation to become mine. And note, if you would, the passage doesn't tell us that it's those who will be saved in the future, in the presence of God, in heaven, but those who present tense are saved. Those who are right now in a saved condition. Reminding me of Romans 8 verse 1. There is now, right now, 
no condemnation. That means right now there is salvation. Right now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who are in right now a saved condition are those who will be there. Am I in that saved condition? Well, I turn through the New Testament and I find that there are certain responsibilities that are mine for salvation to be enjoyed. I think about the words of Jesus in Mark 16, verse 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So I I know I must believe in Jesus. In fact, he said himself in John chapter 8, except you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And the Holy Spirit through Paul said in Romans chapter 5, being therefore just if I'd never sinned. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. I must believe in Jesus as the Son of God if I am to be among the saved. But then I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, that says, Godly grief or godly sorrow works, produces a repentance, which leads to, in order to obtain salvation. Repentance, in order to obtain salvation. Repentance, repent. Meta naeo, naeo, to think. Meta in the midst. It carries the idea of changing the way we think. No, Brother Dan, repent means change the way you live. No. Meta naeo, translated repent, means change the way you think. But as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I read in Proverbs. So if I change the way I think, guess what? I'm going to change the way I live. And so they network together in thought, don't they? I tell you no, but except you repent, change the way you think and live, you will all in like manner perish. Jesus said, God commands all men everywhere to change the way they think and live. Repent, Paul told those in Athens in Acts chapter 17. Peter tells me in 2 Peter chapter 3 that God desires for all men to come to this concept of changing the way we think and changing the way we live because it is repentance that leads to salvation. Believe to be among the saved. Repent to be among the saved. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, with the mouth we confess, and there is salvation. With the mouth, confession is made, literally in order to obtain salvation. Confessing with the mouth, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Or if one cannot verbally speak, to converse that, verbalize that in ways that the individual can communicate. Confession is made in order to obtain salvation. Believe, repent, confess to be among the saved. And of course, 1 Peter chapter 3.21 says, Baptism does now... 
save us. Oh, Brother Dan, you believe in water salvation? Not at all. All you people do is talk about baptism. That's not true. But the fact is, it is part of the plan. Amen? Now, it's not the plan any more than faith is the plan. It's not the plan any more than repent is the plan. It's not the plan any more than confess is the plan. But who are among the saved? Well, I, I must believe in Jesus as the Son of God, and I must change the way I think and thus live in repentance, and I must confess my faith in Jesus as the Son of God, and I must be immersed in water. And Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized for the aphasis, forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so it's believe and repent and confess and be baptized to have my sins taken away to be among the saved. Who will get to go? The saved. Those who have come to believe in Jesus with a faith that moves them to change the way they think and live, with a faith that moves them to confess before others they do believe that Jesus is the Son of God, with a faith that moves them to be immersed in water for the purpose of having sins taken away, those who believe and repent and confess and are baptized are numbered among the saved. So here, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Man, and I've got the key to the kingdom. I've got the way to open the door. No, sir. Because as a baptized, penitent, having confessed believer... I must continue to thirst for being right with God. And I must be someone who constantly says no to the devil by saying no to myself and saying yes to God. Who will actually get to go? There's one final answer to our question. And that would be in the last verse of the chapter. <clears throat> But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those. Pause. Now, if I were to go back to verse 24, in verse 24, by its light will the nations walk. If I'm reading the New King James Version, I will find what the English Standard Version, for some reason, does not include. References made to those who are saved. And as I'm reading of those who are saved, in converse to that, I'm reading of individuals who are not written somewhere. They're not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Conversely, those who are saved, conquering the devil, thirsting for God, their names are in the Lamb's book of life. Those who are enrolled in heaven. I read all the way back in the Old Testament book of Psalm. Psalm 68 or 69 and I read of those in verse 28 who are enrolled somewhere. Let them be blotted out of the book. 
the book of the living. Another way of saying the book of life. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. Here, with Hebrew parallelism, where the same thing is said twice for the point of emphasis, I'm reading about those who are in the book of the living, the book of life. And these are individuals whose names are enrolled among the righteous. Those who are right with God and thus have their name in the Lamb's book of life. Who are these righteous whose names are enrolled in heaven? Do you remember Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, which says, you have come, English Standard Version, to the assembly. You have come to the assembly. You have come to the ecclesia. You have come to the church of the firstborn. It's called the church that belongs to God in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It's called the church churches that belong to Christ in Romans 16, verse 16. It's called the kingdom that belongs to the Son of God's love in Colossians 1, verse 13. But in Hebrews chapter 12, it is called the assembling ones, the called out ones, the ecclesia of the church that belongs to the firstborn. And of course, Jesus is indeed the firstborn of or from the dead. The church that belongs to Jesus Christ are the ones whose names are enrolled in heaven. You have come to the assembly of the church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven. Who will get to go? Those who belong to the church that belongs to Christ. Brother Dan, there are so many churches today. I know. Confusing, isn't it? And they go by all sorts of names. But with the millennials coming along into the arena of leadership today, you're finding a lot of the institutional names being dropped and the concepts of institutionalized religion going uh, away. And now it's just, you have this church and that church, and in somewhat of a community church craze, everybody just comes together, and there's an amalgamation of all sorts of beliefs. And so it's this church, and it's that church, and it's this church, or it's this church made up of all churches. Just, it's so confusing. It's, I'll give you a, a gesture that a collegiate gave me years ago. It's, it's like this. It's, it blows your mind. So which church is the right church? How about the church that belongs to God? Amen? How about the church that belongs to Jesus? Amen? How about the church that belongs to Christ? Amen? How about the church that belongs to the firstborn from the dead? Amen? Who are those who make up the called out ones, the assembling ones, the church that belongs to the firstborn whose names are enrolled in heaven. Don't you find it interesting that in Acts chapter 2, you have individuals that come to believe in Jesus as the Son of God and they cry, what must we do? And they are told, change the way you think. Repent. 
Be immersed, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you read the rest of that chapter, and they're added to something called the church. Who constitutes the church of our Lord? Those who come to believe in Jesus as God's Son, because of that faith, change the way they think and live, and because of that faith, confess their faith in Jesus as God's Son, and because of that faith, yield to an immersion to have their sins washed away, yes, by the prowess of Jesus' shed blood. Those are added by the Lord Himself to His called-out people. Folks, it's just that simple. In institutionalized religions that are constantly, one on this corner, one on that corner, and one downtown, constantly in competition for the next person to place membership, we need to know it is just that simple. And if I want to go, I must be. I must be a baptized penitent having confessed believer in Jesus Christ who has been added by Jesus Christ to the called out ones that He calls His own. One who as such constantly thirsts for a desire to be right with God through the prowess of my relationship with Jesus Christ and His shed blood. One who constantly says no to self and thus no to the devil and thus yes to God. And one who is in a saved condition. Who will get to go? Heaven holds all for me. Brighter its glory will be. Joy without measure will be my treasure. Heaven holds all for me. Does it? That's what it takes. Does it? There's a home prepared where the saints abide. Is there? That's what it takes for you to sing that song. Who will get to go? No. No. Will you? Will I get to go? If you don't like the answer to that question based upon the teachings of the next to the last book of all the Bible, this invitation is yours and we can surely help you as together we stand and as we sing.